0: everybody, and welcome to another edition of No Filter Sports Podcast. Bob Page with you in the host chair, joined, as always, by one of my personal heroes from my teenage years, Major League Baseball's last 30-game winner, Danny McLain, and the able... Brandon McAfee at the controls as we record this Monday morning. Uh, there's not too much we can tell you about the Alabama Ohio state national championship game from Monday night. Cause you've probably much. already seen that at this point. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that a little later on. Uh, and we're going to speak with a well-connected Ann Arbor sportscaster and podcaster, Michael Spath. I think many of you are familiar with Michael and his work. We want to get the inside story of just how this new Jim Harbaugh deal went down. Plus later on, still, Danny's going to have a lot to say about Tommy Lasorda's unfortunate passing and all the baseball later developments. But uh, first, the NFL playoffs. And, you know, fellas, this felt to me, and we talked about this the last show, six games, for goodness sake. This felt to me like I was back in college, like I'm just cramming and cramming. For this final exam I've got coming up, you know, (laughs) coffee, keeping me up, waking up early in the morning, watching these things, trying to get everything in, trying to be prepared for this show. And it's just not an easy thing to do. Did you follow through on your promises? Did you watch all six games start to finish, boys? I watched most of them. Aha! So you went back on your promise already? Well, they were, watch well they were all six. They were always
1: my, on in the background, but it's yeah. kind of hard to pay attention to every snap, every single play. Isn't it? Isn't it? Is she a bug-eyed? Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: I mean, as you know, I record every game, so uh, you know, my best friend was my clicker. So if a game's starting to get a a little bit out of control, man, I'm double time fast, fast forwarding through this so I can, you know, I got to keep an eye on what's going on. I can see this. I mean, I thought the the whole thing was just it was just ridiculous. And what about the fans? We saw a few hundred people. Uh, and I wonder who they were, didn't you? At Pittsburgh on Sunday night, just a few hundred people. I think they
2: had 6,700 there. I think that's. Well, what it didn't they were look like it to me. No, it didn't look like it to me. Either. We saw
0: 5,000 in Buffalo. Yeah. We saw zero people in the stands in Washington, Seattle. But we saw 15,000 people in the stands at Nashville. So I don't understand what they're doing and how they're doing it. We're watching on TV and you're trying to pick out, is there some interesting storyline or something? Because unlike you two guys, I had no rooting interest in anything. So my interest in the games themselves were relatively limited. Thank goodness for Matthew Judon. You boys with me? West Bloomfield High School. Somehow Michigan and Michigan State missed him. He goes to Grand Valley State. What a great program they've had there over the years in West Michigan. He's not only the starting linebacker for the Ravens, so I'm interested in the Ravens, Tennessee. He's only made the Pro Bowl two straight years right now. So you two, at least, rooting for the Bears, Denny, because he's a Chicago native, his beloved team, and Brandon, because anytime you go out on a limb and you make a big prediction on a game, you're rooting for that team. And Brandon the other day predicted that the Bears would upend New Orleans, so I'm sure he was out there, uh, uh, you know, in front of the he's screaming for the Chicago Bears.
1: It's actually God, it's all- actually the opposite. You see, every the, the last two years, I've been a huge New Orleans Saints fan. In the playoffs, the last two years, I've been expecting them to go far, to go deep, to make the Super Bowl. I've been a huge fan of Elvin Kamara since he's came into the league. Oh, no, what a player! And so what I what I saw with this game was the potential for an upset. Obviously, I got the wrong game because I think the L.A. Rams ended up being that upset that I was kind of thinking was going to happen. But I was just thinking that perhaps the Bears being so hot, David Montgomery being so hot over the last X amount of weeks that there was the chance that the Saints were going to blow it and the Bears would win. However, the Bears just decided to bear and uh, they did what they do, Clever. which is uh, no well, movie. my
2: quarterback there decided to go back to uh, third down and we run again w- the, for the uh, two yards or we throw a little sh- well, we- he's not calling the plays. We're, we're at third and ten, and lo and behold, we call a play that gets us four yards. I mean, I don't know what the hell happened, but they were in such a good rhythm for the last four or five weeks, and all of a sudden they. They put it in the poop pan and we never saw it yesterday at all, except one time. Six punts through three quarters for Chicago yeah.
0: as they trailed New Orleans 14 to three. And I don't know if it was just me. Maybe again, I was bug eyed as a result of all this football. It didn't it seem like there's so many penalties, so yeah. many replays? Yeah. And thank goodness for my clicker again, because, man, I'm just fast forwarding like a banshee through these damn things. I didn't watch any of the pregame shows, which I usually do. I didn't watch any of the halftime palaver, which I sometimes do because it's just too much on. So anyway, one of the things I thought, we're not going to go through a blow by blow of all these games It's way too much. And if you care, you know. All of you, what happened in them mall? But I did think it, it was fascinating that there was that great catch for a touchdown pass to end the game by Chicago's Jimmy Graham. The only oh man, what a catch! Huh? Wasn't what that something catch. else? Yeah. So now it's twenty-one to nine and they don't attempt the extra point because it was the final play of the game, and now we have another gambling brouhaha in That's the NFL. Right. <laughs> so did you guys bet that game? The spread was 11, right? And it, Is that what it yeah, was? Yeah, it was,
2: it was a big spread. It didn't, it didn't affect us. It didn't affect us. Brandon, did it affect you?
1: No, I did not have any money on any of the games this past Okay,
2: week. but I mean, there's always something, you know.
0: But no, they, you're right, the you're end- right.
1: The, you know, I saw a lot on social media. People were very upset. You know, yeah. it's, it's all, yeah. it always ends up being one play at the end that can just ruin everything. We, uh, we
2: well. won, uh, the three games on Saturday. We won the three games yesterday, except for, um, the last game. What the hell? Well, I've lost it again, but that
0: would have been Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. which we'll get so into momentarily. We, we didn't
2: have that game, but, uh, you know, who did, I, I, I don't know. I mean, cause they've been playing so badly. And then yeah. I, ju- and I, and I told my partner, I says, Hey, let's jump on it. Let's go get it Uh, sooner or later. The odds got to be on our side. Oh, these guys can't play dead anymore. I said, I don't know. I I said, let him play. He's due for one more good game. No, he wasn't. And I would be remiss if I didn't
0: mention to close out our little discussion here of the Chicago bears fiasco. Mm. I don't get this Tony Romo thing. I'm really sorry. I mean, so Tony's on the uh, Tony's on the game with Jim Nance. And, of course, Tony Romo is good. And, of course, we enjoy Tony Romo. Yeah, But we're all watching that game. We don't care if Brandon's doing the game with Mark Fellauer or Drew Lane. We don't care. We want right. to see the game. They're paying this guy millions and millions and millions of dollars. I know the empty suits and broadcasting make strange decisions. We've all been victims of that. I don't get it. I, that's all I'm going to say about that. I don't
2: get it. I'd like to get half of what he's getting.
1: It's like half,
2: half, a quarter of what he's getting.
0: I 17 million, understand. they say, is what uh, he yeah.
1: got. I don't know. I'm not worried about his paycheck, but I do feel that he is the best color commentator <laughs> in the entire league. I definitely. That's do. fine. And oh, the reason, he is. reason being is he is the guy that can see things yep. before they happen almost every single play. He, he's when excellent. He, when he came in, he almost opened up the color commentary. You know, He was the one that was letting you know, hey, by the way, if they do this, this is going to happen. Right, and then it does, and so I mean, yep. to me, I, I think that a lot of people found that fascinating, and a lot of people really jumped on right away and, and and gave him shouted him a lot of praise. So in a way, he's earned this contract, not like he needed it. He made him billion dollars in the NFL as it is. Yeah, with- see, I don't
0: I don't agree that he's he's earned the contract in another way though. If you if if I want to see a game, I'm watching. I don't care who's on it. If I don't want to see a game, I don't care if Tony Romo's on it. What I'm watching a game I don't want to see just because Tony Romo's on it. You get my point? Sure. I don't understand this whole thing. I've I never really watched.
1: Don't. I've never watched a game because of who is going to broadcast. No, yeah,
2: I haven't either. Other uh, uh, unless it's the Bears. The yeah. uh, uh, the thing though, Bob. What would you replace it with if you don't care who's playing? It's, if, I ca- if, point, if I don't if if I don't
0: care who's playing, I might replace yeah. it with reading a good book.
2: Oh, okay. Doing
0: a serious crossword puzzle, practicing my guitar, yeah, going right. out for a walk in nature. Denny, wow, that's exciting. Yeah, you know there are other things in life besides football. So then after well, Romo and Jim Nance were finished, and their chemistry was awful in that game, they kept stepping on each other. Throughout. Yeah, for the first time. Yeah, I don't understand why that was. So we got to the Browns versus Pittsburgh. Cleveland had lost 17 straight games at Heinz Field. Amazing. And Kevin Stefanski, the Browns head coach, as well as a starting Pro Bowl guard and both Cleveland's starting corners were out due to COVID. No chance for the Browns in this one, but you never know. Brandon, Mm. uh, that opening play from scrimmage in the game, how did that go again?
2: (laughs) And they start with a horrible snap all the way back to the two-yard line. And the Browns bounce it into the end zone where they wind up with a touchdown. Of all crazy things, you don't go to the playoffs for 18 years. And that is the way it starts in the first 14 seconds.
0: I wish we'd had the Cleveland broadcast of that game as audio. They must have been going crazy. Just minutes later... Pittsburgh trying it again. A brutal interception by Roethlisberger. Then Baker Mayfield throws that quick touchdown pass to Jarvis Land. It's 14 0. Not five minutes into the bleeping game. Then 21 0. As the Browns drive 66 yards for another. What the? You know what? It's unbelievable. Four and a half minutes left in the first quarter. But wait, they weren't done. Roethlisberger throws another interception. Three plays later, 15 yards later, Kareem Hunt goes in for a second touchdown, 28 nothing the most points ever scored in the first quarter of any playoff game in NFL history. 35-10 at half. I mean, it got to 35-23, but fellas, this game was over. I mean, there's one thing over. about
2: Roethlisberger. I've always called him the guy that can and the guy that can't. The guy never has any consistency. He'll get consistent for a quarter, quarter and a half. And then for some reason, his wheels come off. Same thing yesterday, although I'm not sure if he even had his wheels on yesterday because everything he, he, you know what? I noticed one thing yesterday. He was really slow. Absolutely super slow (laughs) yesterday. He wasn't
1: slow. slow. He is
2: slow. (laughs) He's slow in the sense handing the ball off. That's what I'm talking about. And uh, I've never seen a guy in a long time move that slow. It's almost like he was looking for somebody to hit him, but he didn't want to get hit. So um, it's a shame. It's, it's a good ball game. It could have been a real good ball game.
0: but He still yeah. threw
1: for over 500 oh, yeah. yards. Yeah, well, be
0: careful about that stat in football because that's what happens when you're behind. You have to throw. So yes. Sure, but it's down. still
1: impressive. Yeah. yeah. It won't 500 this.
0: yards. The guy is who he is, so that was extremely impressive. Of course, the Rams' uh, victory was extremely impressive with everything they went through with the quarterback position. The Rams ousted uh, uh, Tennessee 20-13, to 13. and how did you guys like that? They stopped Derrick Henry? I mean, how do you stop that guy? But they
2: did a great job defensively. I think everybody was shocked by that. I think he's just the best running back in the NFL right now. Right. I don't they know how you him stop him. He, he blocks well. He runs well. He he looks like a team player because he's always smiling and laughing with everybody on the bench. So,
0: Yeah, uh, well, Baltimore knew how to stop him. Lamar rushed for over 100 yards. That's the yep. sixth time any quarterback has ever done that in a playoff game and the kid just turned 24 by the way Mm -hmm. and only two quarterbacks have ever done that twice in nfl history lamar jackson now and you know the other one boys colin kaepernick so what must he be thinking now about the end of his career was he watching that game and was what colin kaepernick did well worth it despite the millions he got in a settlement it just told when they, when they mention Lamar well, Jackson and Colin Kaepernick, the only two guys
2: talented enough to ever do that. Well, it, it's a, apparently he really believes in what he did and what he's doing, because if he did not believe in it, he would would not have jumped in the f- fray anyway. I don't think. And if he did at that point. He would have come back a lot sooner. He would have done the Hail Mary and the Our Father, did uh, ten rosaries, and then boom! <laughs> I can I can play quarterback again. But uh, he was not going to have any of it. He just. Did not want to be a part of it anymore. What
0: can I say? Yeah, I, uh, I, that's I right. I, I don't know. So, he's made, we had, by the
2: way, he's made a lot of money sitting on his butt for the last five or six years.
0: Yeah, we had a discussion on our last show about that targeting call on the yeah. Clemson team leader and the All American linebacker that got him thrown out of the Ohio State game. Oh, yeah. So, the three of us thought it was just a football play. This is a tough game, for goodness sake that was made on quarterback Justin Fields. Others, including one listener who wrote in, disagreed. Yet in the NFL, it's okay for a linebacker to lower his shoulder and slam it into a quarterback who was on the ground. There was no call Saturday in that Rams-Seahawks game on that hit that KO'd Rams quarterback John Wofford. So I know it's the NFL versus college football, and there's an obvious difference, but how about consistency? I mean, Mike yeah. Ferreira, the rules expert, even said the officials blew that call.
1: I wouldn't be too upset if I was L.A. because I think bringing in Goff was the reason they won that game. So that that hit Probably. might have actually done them a favor.
0: Well, it didn't exactly look like a juggernaut, even with him. And Aikman and Buck had said that the thumb surgery that Jared Goff had had made it tough for him to play. Yeah. Then then, then why was he even dressed? And, you know, I'm thinking about this also. Then they have to go when the quarterback gets hurt to, well, who's the emergency quarterback? How come the NFL only allows you to dress two quarterbacks? How come I can't have a third string quarterback? I've
2: never understood it.
0: Yeah. I mean, you you used to be able to do that. Yep. But you know, not so much anymore. And what a country, America! Let me tell about that the the Washington football team game where they came out and Alex Smith was hurt and couldn't play, right. and they took that kid who had won. A, here's Denny, a blast from our past, Harlan Hill, the legendary Chicago oh Bears God, player a years player. ago. Yeah. Well, he was the greatest small college player in America, and this kid from uh, the, what's the the quarterback that they that they brought in? I mean, it was just a wildest story ever what a country america we're watching this guy on tv make millions of dollars an instant millionaire in three hours works put it up a terrific show even though the washington football team did not win the game and i'm sorry i'm having another senior moment which does occur to us what's his name brandon his
1: name is taylor Mm -hmm. heineke
0: thank you very much had you heard of him before
1: i did not i had had not heard of him no
0: and you're a fantasy player I've heard of his uh, father, Bob Heineken. That's not true. It sounds like Meineke mufflers to me. That's the only thing I was thinking of. I heard his Tom, name was Heineken. Tom Heineken. What a great story that was. He spent time on the New England practice squad like 30 days. And so they sign him. And it's not a big deal at all, even though he was the small college football right. player of the year. So he comes to New England's practice facility early, and he wants to really impress everybody with his attitude. He's there at 515 in the morning. He's going to go into the film room to watch film. He gets there. And who was in the film room before him? Tom Brady. Brady's already in there. Five o'clock in the morning. And he's watching film, and Brady looks up at the kid and says, uh, Excuse me, who the hell are you? And he introduces himself to Brady, and Tom says, Oh, okay, well, it's good to meet you, man. Sit down. And he said he sat there and watched film with the great Tom Brady for half an hour at 5 30 in the morning, and he learned an awful lot. I bet. So, I bet. Yeah, that's really, you know, something. All right, boys. So here we go. Next round of the NFL playoffs Los Angeles Rams at Green Bay Packers saturday game any you you guys got any thoughts on this stuff i'm just throwing out the matchups and if you want i'll give you the point spreads and tell me whatever you think if you want to say anything at all the rams at the rams at green bay that's saturday 435
2: yeah um i love green bay packers are are a seven
0: point favorite
2: where are they playing well they're they're playing in green Green bay Bay. green the packers got a field advantage so if they're uh, playing at home you got to take them
0: and I I do think and I know this from personal experience having watched the dolphins so long you get to those december those late december games and anytime the Miami dolphins it seems go up north when they have to play division rivals buffalo or the new york jets they set one foot off the plane, and they want to come back down here to South Florida. So you've got the Rams coming from Southern California. Heaven knows what it might be like in Green Bay, Wisconsin, this coming Saturday. I mean, how can you not like Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers playing so great in that game?
2: And Tampa we'll Bay at or New eight. Orleans.
0: Yeah, it's the seven
2: points, I okay. said. Tampa is at New Orleans. That's Sunday, 640 between the two guys we got 160,000 yards of passes they've thrown offense I think it's a pick it probably won't be
1: this is just a sure fun game to, to watch because of the pedigree yeah. of the two quarterbacks I mean right. this is probably going to be Drew Brees' last game and And what do you know? It's going to be against Tom Brady.
0: If New Orleans loses, yeah.
1: If Mm -hmm. if New Orleans loses, I don't know if they will, because I think the Saints are pretty dang good. But I also think that Tom Brady has something special going on right now, especially with this insane receiver core that he has. Antonio Brown and Godwin and Evans and and Gronk and, and Fournette, who seems to be playing really well lately. He's just got all the weapons you could possibly ask for for a quarterback, especially one that's 118 years old. So this is going to be a fun one. It's two of the oldest guys you ever seen on the field, but two of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen in the entire league. Yeah, yeah
0: I'm glad you used that word a few times that they're fun. Because, you know, watching these games, watching football is supposed to be fun. There were fun elements this past weekend, but I'm not sure watching six football games, for me at least, was a lot of fun. So it should be fun this coming weekend. Now, you know what used to be fun when we had the world back? Saturday night. You know why? Because Saturday night was date night. Think of all the fun the three of us have had on Saturday nights, and now there ain't nowhere to go. I don't remember do. date night. That's you how you know, well, I do. around. Yeah, well, I do. So this Saturday night, we already know what we're going to do, and that's going to be watching Baltimore at Buffalo. Who knows what the weather might be like in that game? That's so right, that should yeah. indeed be fun. And we get the Bills, a two and a half point favorite, I love gentlemen. Love the Bills
1: this year. Love the Bills this year. Josh Allen is so fun to watch. This offense is so fun to watch. Diggs has been phenomenal since he's got there. I, I'm rooting for the Bills just because I see them as, I see their fan base as Detroit Lions fan base. I mean, sure, they had success early on in the 90s and they went to four straight Super Bowls and they lost every single one of them. But, you know, for the longest time, that team has been in the dumpster. I just I love their fan base. These guys are jumping through tables. They're fun to watch. And so I, I'm I'm a Bills fan this Sunday.
0: Does anybody like, it's the biggest spread for obvious reasons, Sunday, 305, the Browns at Kansas City with the Chiefs getting nine and a half.
2: Well, I don't know if they'll beat the spread, but I got news for you at uh, Kansas City. You can't beat them with a stick. I don't know how you beat him. The guy is just the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. Now that may that may help know, come us.
0: on, come on. He's better than he's, Tom Brady. He's better than Peyton. He's Nanny. the best that I've be. ever oh, come
2: seen. on. Yeah, physically, physically, he's the best I've ever seen. He does everything well. He does everything well, Bob. Think about that. that. I'm not going to argue. It's just because way too. Because Tom early Brady, to be talking Tom can't run anymore. You know, very little can he run. Never could. This kid's running. I don't know whatever the clock. Indicates, I bet it's a near a world record. Yeah, but you're it's always nice.
1: you're always one hit away from an injury. And, you know, the Chiefs, yeah, did, of, course. of course, the Chiefs Absolutely. did lose two times this year, so they can be yep. defeated. And they're up against this Cleveland Browns team who is just on fire from this you win yesterday. Know. So, yeah, it, to me, anything can happen, but my money's on Kansas City.
0: All right. Well, we disagree with Denny on his definition of great. But one thing we want to tell you is we got a great suggestion for you. And that's to let Luke Nowacki of Pinnacle Wealth Strategies help you plan for future family obligations and your own retirement. Luke's track record of success and decades of experience going to enable him to create a custom solution for you or your business. So call Luke. We tell you this all the time. If you haven't called him, you owe it to yourself and your family. His number is 248 6634748. 6634748 what he's going to do is set up a complimentary consultation it's just going to cost you your time you don't pay him and then if you feel comfortable after he looks at your portfolio your income He's going to do his thing by laying out a plan to fit your individual needs. He's ethical. He's knowledgeable. Luke Nowacki, Pinnacle Wealth Strategies. Here's the number again, folks, 248-663-4748. And Luke's advisory services are offered through Royal Alliance Associates. You're listening to the No Filter Sports Podcast. So I have asked how much the legendary football expert Sheila Ford-Hamp will have to do with hiring the latest head coach of the FLs so the latest five-year rebuilding program can begin. All starts at the top, as I always say, good or bad in sports ownership. We all know the Ford family has destroyed what was the greatest franchise in all of professional football in the 1950s. Now, Denny and Brandon, here's a new NFL example for you. Ever heard the name Shahid Khan?
2: No, no, it sounds like uh, a casino game. Be careful here with ethnic stereotyping. I know <laughs> where this you're going the, with us.
0: Shahid Khan, the Jacksonville
1: Khan. guy, the Jacksonville Jaguars guy. Yeah, very
0: good. Very good he is. He's the Pakistani-born billionaire owner of the Laughing Stock Jags who had the worst record in the league this year. They own the number 1 pick in the draft. So Khan himself and think about, you know, the Lions and how they've handled this over the years. Khan himself is handling the search for his next head coach and general manager alone. He says, well, with some help from Jags president, Mark Lamb, and quote, this time around, I think I have a much better sense of myself, is what Khan said after firing coach Doug Marone recently. I am the key decision maker. So he plans to have the team's next power duo report directly to him. The structure he expects will keep him in the loop on all major personnel decision. Khan says he wants to maintain roster control. A term he later clarified as "well, you don't want players going in and out or contracts given until you're aware of that, so you know about this." For the country America, his extensive football background, <laughs> Khan was Con was featured on the front cover of Forbes magazine in 2012, associating him as the face of the American dream. As of July last year, his net worth eight billion he only moved to the united states in 1967 he was 16 years old to study at the university of illinois spends his first night in a 2 dollar a night room at the ymca he gets a job washing dishes there in champaign urbana for $1.20 an hour so how on earth did he make all this dough bumper's boys there's money at the back of your car in 78 he started bumper works which made bumpers for customized pickup trucks and body shop repairs. So he gets a $50,000 loan from the small business administration. He takes 16 grand of his own savings. Then he, in, in 1980, he buys a company called flex gate from his former employer at bumper works. So he grew the company. He winds up coming to Detroit often because he's supplying bumpers for the big yeah. three automakers All the cars. Yeah. Isn't that a great story? But now great story again, but Denny, He's a football expert
2: now. Well, you know, listen, uh, egos become very big in the NFL. Uh, everybody thinks that they are just because they've got the money that they know what they're doing also. And that just can't be the case, whether it's baseball, hockey, whatever, um, the, the games are complicated. And when you compound them with new players coming in all the time, you got to be a genius just to figure out who's on your roster. It's hard, a damn near genius. So this guy
0: is a genius. He's a brilliant self-made billionaire whose ego is out of control as a result. This is a common story. And I'm here to tell you the same thing was true. It happened when Bill Davidson, who made a billion dollars with his glass company in Detroit, after he bought the controlling interest in the Pistons. But you know what? Bill Davidson got religion. It didn't take him that long. The first thing he said to all those owners they had, you know, Ozzy Feldman and all the guys from yeah. the compliance company in Detroit, well, we're self-made men. We're multimillionaires. This sports stuff is easy. Bill was smart enough to realize it wasn't. He brought in a basketball expert in Jack McCloskey who changed the history of the Detroit franchise, and you know what happened to them after that. But you know what, boys? For us, the big story in college football was what happened just within the last few days, with Jim Harbaugh yep. re-signing a five-year extension. So, you know what, we're ha- we're happy to, to have Ann Arbor Media Maven Michael Spath join us now. Michael's an area radio personality, has his own podcast on University of Michigan sports. He's well-connected with a lot of sources inside the athletic program. Michael, this has been a very bumpy ride here with Harbaugh. Was he staying? Was he going? How many years? What was really going on behind the scenes? And I bet you have really good knowledge of this. Tell us about it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you to uh, both Denny and, and Bob and Thank uh, the, you. Whole, the whole group here for for having me on. Um, I've uh, listened to the the podcast a number of times. Good friends with Mark Fellhauer, so it's a great oh, opportunity good. to to join you guys. Uh, here what that's that's supposed to
0: speak well of you or something.
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, just because I'm, yeah, that's because I'm friends with him. I didn't say I was friends with Drew. Well, don't tell me you like soccer too.
0: Don't tell me you like soccer too, for goodness
3: sake. (laughs) I like it. I like it when the world cup is on and when the Olympics are on, I don't watch it other than that. Um, But no, this was a very interesting saga. You know, I mean, if you want to go back to the week of the Ohio state game, when at this point, Jim Harbaugh had not signed a contract extension they were announced that they might not be able to play the game, and Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh met with the media. Uh, and, of course, they got asked about it. Why does Jim Harbaugh not have a contract beyond 2021? He's the only Power 5 coach in in all of football that doesn't have a contract beyond 2021. And Ward Manuel said, well, it's not You know, – we're going to take care of that when the season's over with. That's when we'll deal with it, which I think right there that's kind of a load of BS because yeah. – Um, This is something that should have been addressed before the season. You don't want a guy; he's got to recruit, he's got to talk to his team, he's trying to he's trying to keep his staff in place. You want to keep that guy locked in if that's the guy of your future, if you believe in him. And so, okay, so say say that's true. Say that they didn't want to wait until the end; they wanted to wait until the end of the season. Well, the end of the season was December sixteenth because that was the day that they announced that the Iowa game, the ninth Big Ten game that they were supposed to play was was canceled. They weren't going to play it. That was the end of the season. So from the end of the season until, you know, last Friday is about three and a half weeks. I think it was like 26 days, 27 days uh, that Jim Harbaugh did not have a contract extension at Michigan. And it really comes down, guys, to who, which side of the story you believe, which insider you believe, which, you know, whoever you want to believe. If you listen to like the Michigan side, if you listen to the the Jim Harbaugh side, they all say like, well, this was the plan all along. We were just taking our time. We were negotiating. We were – trying to present the best deal for Michigan during a global pandemic. And to Jim Harbaugh, I I don't buy that at all. Um, I've spoken to a number of sources who, you know, look at the timing of this. If that was the case, like just getting the best deal for, for Michigan, they could announce this a week ago. They could announce this two weeks ago. They announced this about five days after Black Monday, after the NFL season ended, after head coaches, the New York Jets, the San Diego Chargers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, after they fired their coaches. And all of a sudden, there were more opportunities for yeah, Jim Harbaugh to pursue. Get an, he
0: was really trying to get an NFL job, wasn't he? Absolutely.
3: I 100% play? believe that he was looking for an NFL opportunity and that if the right opportunity would have come along, Jim Harbaugh would be coaching in the NFL today. But the Wouldn't right opportunity he? did not come along, and he is Michigan's head coach because that, that was the only option on the table for him.
0: And then the other issue here is, okay, so for the sake of recruiting, is going to stay, and they've got to make some kind of deal. Five years? Why five years? People, yeah, people are confusing. pissed about this, aren't they?
3: Well, I think if you look at the contract, honestly, this is the one part where I give Ward-Manuel a lot of credit. This contract is essentially set up as a one-year, what I call a one-year rolling contract. I mean, oh. look at what those buyout numbers are, $4 million bucks for next year. Then it goes down by a million dollars to three. It goes by down, down by a million dollars to two, to one, to eventually zero. So this is essentially saying, like, you've got to perform year to year, or you're out of here. like We don't have to pay that much more money. Even the buyout on the Jim Harbaugh side is pretty cheap so that if an NFL team comes or another college football team comes and wants Jim Harbaugh, well, they only have to pay two million bucks for Jim Harbaugh to leave Michigan on his own. So Mm -hmm. I don't look at this as a, I don't think this contract is Michigan saying we are making a five-year commitment to Jim Harbaugh for the rest of, you know, this is our guy. What they're essentially saying is, Jim, you got to put up or shut up next year because if you don't put up, then you're going to shut up and we're going to kick you out the door because we can now afford it. They couldn't afford it this year. $10.5 million was his buyout if they would have fired him right oh, now. Boy. But now it's going to be $4 bucks next year and $3 million the year after that. How many years do you see him serving then? What's your personal opinion about this? I think it totally comes down to what type of success he has in 2021. Well,
0: of course it does, but what do you think?
3: I mean, (laughs) you know, I I was talking about this with a friend of mine and I said, well, what is what, you know, he asked me, what does Jim Harbaugh have to do for me to be on the bandwagon for 2022? And I was like 10 and three, 11 and two, but that has to include a tight loss to Ohio state. Not even a win, but a tight loss. It needs to include a victory over Michigan state. It needs to include a victory over Washington. And it needs to include a bowl game victory because I'm tired of Michigan ending their season. 0 and two with two bad losses to Ohio state and in a bowl game. So for me, honestly, I don't I don't envision Jim Harbaugh all of a sudden like, hey, he's gonna get his magic back. He's gonna turn this program around. The culture is way better. Like this program has been trending in the wrong direction for the last couple of years. I don't think that that he flips a switch and it goes back to 2015, 2016 when there was all this promise and hope and excitement. So I honestly think that 2021 has a really good chance to be his final year because if he's seven and five or even eight and four, how do you justify? Bringing him back in 2022 you don't. because you he don't. Really, People keep on saying to me like, "Well, this is a reset. He gets he's he's got to build something. Bullshit. He's got to build something. This is year seven, not year one. He doesn't have to build anything. He, he, this thing should be built already." And he's like changing the paint colors. He's not knocking this foundation down at the beginning and starting all over again. Like this is like adding, you know, this is like redoing your kitchen. It's not yeah, redoing the whole but- house. I, I think you you had two entities that probably wanted to divorce. But but financially, it didn't make a whole lot of sense, Um, you know, and I think also that the optics like neither one of like Michigan didn't want to fire Jim Harbaugh. Oh, my God. You are the A.D. who fired Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh (laughs) didn't want to just quit or walk away without being able to say, I'm leaving Michigan because I have an opportunity to go coach in the NFL. So I think there's this whole thing came down to optics and not about like what either side really wanted.
0: Michael, um, Eli made waves on this show uh, a short time ago by saying that he knew medical experts who were telling him that something's wrong with Harbaugh. This is not the same Jim Harbaugh we used to know. There, There could be elements of autism in the way you watch him at press conferences, the manner in which he speaks now, or perhaps even CTE. Are other people around Ann Arbor in Detroit close to the Michigan program whispering about this or saying it openly?
3: If you watch a Jim Harbaugh press conference, like he's not John Harbaugh. He doesn't come across as well. He's not as, you know, he's not a personable guy. He's not a personable guy. Right. Am I willing to jump then to say like, well, he has a, a medical condition? I'm not. I know it certainly has been whispered a little bit, but I think that's honestly, I think that's in poor taste, and I think it's um irresponsible of anybody to start like throwing out terms and saying, well, he looks like he has this. He looks like he has that. Uh, you know, this happened to Lloyd Carr towards the end of his career. Everybody said sure. he had Parkinson's disease and that this was the reason that he wanted to retire a couple years before he actually did. Yeah. It, it's, it's a place I don't want to go. I don't think people should go. I don't think you just look at someone and say like, well, he's different than me. So he must have a disease. Like, I think that's very poor form, um, to, to suggest, uh, something of that nature. And I, I think it's, again, as I said, irresponsible and it's, it's just not, and even if it is like, what difference does it make? I mean, you know, if, yeah. if he's not, if he's a little odd, okay. Um, you know, sure. if he's, if he has something, he's extremely high functioning with it. Um, I am not going to judge someone based off of, of that. And especially when it is just whispers and innuendo, uh, that no one has ever come close to, to talking about publicly.
2: Well, my wife had Parkinson's and, and a couple of other things that were associated with it. And, uh, Jim doesn't reflect anything like she had, I mean, not even close the bottom line is uh, Eli uh, is actually the only one I've ever heard say that, to be honest with you, although he's got something to base it on. But uh, he um, I, I hate like heck for people to come out of the trees and all of a sudden hang a tag on somebody without any evidence at all. Well, that's what
0: Michael is saying, too. Right. now. Well,
2: me, too. Yeah. And I mean, I, listen, I've been there. And yeah. uh, I don't like it. I, I just don't like it. That's a cheap shot. That's I got a nice. question here.
1: I got a question here. So Ben McDaniels is expected to be gone here. He is the quarterback's coach. Now, uh, one of the things that Jim Harbaugh has not been able to do is really bring in that quarterback, even though everybody said he was a quarterback's guru. Who do you see as the quarterback of next year's Michigan Wolverines? Uh-huh.
3: The the quarterback thing is really interesting. I was talking about this earlier on. I do a, a, just a specific sports podcast. He's now had seven scholarship quarterbacks that he's brought in, that he's recruited and brought to Michigan. And out of the seven scholarship quarterbacks, J.J. McCarthy is number seven. And here are all the Michigan fans pinning their hopes on number seven because number one didn't work out, Alex Melzone. Number two, Brandon Peters didn't work out. Uh, Number three, Dylan McCaffrey didn't work out. Number four, Joe Milton has not worked out. Number five, Cade McNamara, maybe. We're kind of seeing a little bit. Number six is a true freshman this past year, Dan Valari. And now we are here. On the seventh quarterback, the Jim Harbaugh's recruited.
0: Hey, so this is a guy who was a great quarterback at Michigan and Captain Courageous in the NFL. Why haven't those quarterbacks worked out under quarterback Jim Harbaugh?
3: You know, I think part of it, guys is a little bit early on in their career. You know, he had, you know, Jake Rudock and Wilton Spate and guys who were performing maybe above their expectations. I think he had the right quarterbacks coach. Uh, They worked with uh, Judd Fish. Um, you know, it was a guy who just got hired to be the head coach at the University at Arizona. of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was the right guy. I think then what you had is a little bit of uh, you had a coach that you brought in, Pep Hamilton, that Jim Harbo had worked with in San Francisco, and there was a little bit of a power struggle: who's the offensive coordinator? What type of offense are you running? Um, you know, Pep Hamilton wanted to be a run and gun. You had Tim Draveno as the offensive coordinator, who had a background as a running game guy. He wanted to run more of the pro style. Then you switched it and you brought in a, a, a new offensive – I mean, I think a lot of their problems with the quarterback position is that they don't know – they have not really understood who they wanted to be, and they haven't really understood if the guy is our quarterback's coach, is he coaching in his system? Is he coaching in a different system? Like, they have not had the right mentor for mm-hmm. a lot of these guys since Judd Fish left in 2016.
0: If media guys like you who are close to the program are talking about Harbaugh perhaps going one more year at Michigan, then I'll tell you this, college football recruiters opposing Michigan are talking about it on the recruiting trail right now. Is this going to hurt Michigan's football recruiting going forward?
3: Well, I would say yes, but I tell you what, the fact that he didn't have a contract going into the 2021 signing class, which was back in uh, early December, uh, should have really hurt him. And at the end of the day, Michigan landed – you know Donovan Edwards, who was this very hyped uh, running back from West Bloomfield, that was the you know the number one running back in the country. Uh, they did get JJ McCarthy. They did get a number Xavier Worthy, who's a top wide receiver out of California. They did get those guys. And so I'll give this: Jim Harbaugh has some type of recruiting chops um, for every. You know, for as as <laughs> lack of success, for lack of quarterbacks, for lack of some positions in the NFL, for the fact that he's not the most personable guy. Like he seems to get it done on the recruiting trail. Hey, Mike. So, he yeah. may have pictures of somebody. <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> you know, but so I give him credit there. So will it hurt him? I don't think it's going to help them to have this type of instability. I know that other coaches are going to use that against them, but they used the, the the lack of a contract extension against them in 2021, and they still did pretty well. I would say this. I, I would think that Michigan will sign a top 15 class in 2022 unless Jim Harbaugh is fired like a week before that signing class yeah. um, comes together next December. If if he starts winning some football games and looks really good early on the season, maybe they have a chance at a top 10, top 8 class. Um, and if he has great success and he comes back in 2022, then that 23 class has a chance. But, you Mike, know, yeah, I give him some credit for, for persevering here.
2: Yeah, one question, because now I took took another uh, point here, it, and that is this. it After listening to everything, it doesn't even sound like they really wanted him to come back.
3: Yeah, I mean, that'd be a... <laughs> I'd love, to, I'd love to have, like, a beer and be in a dark room away from the cameras, away from <laughs> everybody with Ward Manuel and be like, Ward, just between you and me, like, where were you in your confidence of bringing Jim back uh, for, for 2021? And when you look at the contract, and I know a lot of people are going to say it's a pandemic, they're just being smart, and yet look at what's happened in Auburn at South Carolina where they bought these coaches out. I mean, Gus Mills got bought out for $22 mm-hmm. million, dollars, whatever it is. Like, that to me is a program that says, like, This is enough is enough. And we're willing to do whatever it takes. You look at Michigan, they weren't willing to buy him out at 10 and a half million dollars. And they just offered him a contract that has $4 million as his base salary with, with you have to hit so many incentives to go up and up and up. I mean, to me, a guy going from $8 million to $4 million, the 12th highest paid coach in the big 10 even in a global pandemic, that's not to me, saying to me, like, I 100% want you back. That's saying I 50% want you back.
0: Yeah, Michael Smith, really good stuff. Thanks so much for, for coming on. Why don't you tell all the listeners now where they can hear you and your podcast?
3: You can find us anywhere you get your podcast, Google Play, Apple, Spotify. Uh, it is called Stadium and Main Podcast. Uh, Stadium and Main is the corner of which Michigan Stadium uh, is located at, the big house we were surprised, actually, that nobody has taken that podcast name. It's uh, just me and a, a friend of mine named Justin Rowe. Uh, I was in sports media for 20 years. I was a sports wow. writer for 15. The last five, I was been on a WTK in Ann Arbor, having my own show. And I retired a little bit, but um, after about a month. I'm going to retire was, at age 40, yeah.
0: Mike, the American dream.
3: <laughs> I mean, honestly, I was two months out of it. And I was like, <laughs> I've got it. Like It was right when the Big Ten was deciding not to have a season. And I'm like, I've got to be talking about this stuff. And so I was calling about my friends, like what podcast, what radio show, who can I, whose show Mm -hmm. can I go on? And I thought, you know what, let's just start something mostly for fun. There's a little bit of sponsorship. We make a little bit of money off of it, but, but it's just an opportunity for me as a guy who's been doing this for 20 years, not to give it up entirely. Well, I'll tell you what, Mike I'll tell Denny and I'll
0: have you back. You were very good.
3: Sure. I appreciate it. Yeah. You guys are legends here. Have a great day. Have a great weekend, Mike. Okay.
0: Thanks again. Hey, we want to say a big thank you to Hall Financial for being such a great supporter of this show and all the shows on Drew Lane's Red Shovel Network. We've been telling you for some time now that mortgage interest rates are currently in the twos. So call it today. Why not? If you still have a mortgage and find out how much refinancing your mortgage could save you every single month, you just click the hall financial link on our website. That's right. Go to no filter where you may be there anyway, right now, this is how you get started or you can call them if you want. It's such an easy number to remember two, four, eight, Three zero eight five thousand. You'll find out how quick and easy the whole mortgage process is, and make sure you tell them that. No filter sports podcast with Eli Zaret, Denny McLean, and Bob Page sent you. You're listening to the No Filter Sports Podcast. So earlier in the show, Denny and Brandon, we were speaking of the Pistons. Portable toilets vendor United Site Services is now exploring a sale that could value it at around $4,000 billion dollars including debt as its hand wash stations business sees strong demand during this pandemic who owns this company Platinum, (laughs) you know where I'm going. You know where I'm going, Danny. You must have seen this story. Platinum Equity is the buyout firm which owns United Site Services. Who knew there was all this money in portable toilets? They've hired an investment banker to advise on a sale process. And, yes, this is what it has to do with the Pistons. Tom Gores owns it. Isn't it amazing what what various pies these owners have their fingers in? What do you think about that? And of course he was he was even involved with you in the phone
2: company that you criticized when you when you yeah, were in the corner. Yeah, you know the the other thing is is it's it's crazy stuff that you think is crazy until you find out he's got 500 employees and the plant is 9 billion square feet and uh that type of stuff. So it's it's always amazing to me these guys who've got billions really do have How oh, they did it. Yeah. They've got some gold and diamonds put away all the time. And, uh, this, just like you've just mentioned about this company, you know, listen, that's the way they make their big money and then they'll spin it and get rid of it in two years, three years and double their money again. You know, um, I grew
0: up next door. We, we were a middle-class family in Gross Point. We were not a rich Grosse Point family. Yeah. But the guy next door to me was extremely wealthy. He just didn't live that way. And this guy's name was Frank Erbacker, long passed away. He had claimed that he played in the old Federal League. You remember when wow. the Federal League in 1915, back in that yeah. era, tried to raid Major League Baseball? So he was an old guy, great guy. We always used to talk. He would sit out on his back porch drinking beer after beer every day and smoking these <laughs> stogies. And I said "What I missed. Mr. Erbacher, you know, he had a big yacht he'd sit on. He invented some kind of screw that wound up going into virtually every toilet seat in America. And that's how this, I mean, isn't it interesting how people make all this money? They come up with some kind of idea. So as for the Pistons, their loss to Utah on Sunday now has the team out of the gate at two and eight with gulp Giannis and the Bucks coming up Wednesday night in Detroit. The COVID craziness continues in the NBA and all over the place. So here's Memphis center, Jonas Valanciunas, who didn't return for the second half of the Grizzlies win against Brooklyn on Friday. He didn't test positive for COVID-19. The big man's departure was related to contact tracing, and they got the news at halftime. So they told him, son, you can't play the rest of the game. And the Celtics-Miami game on Sunday night, was
2: postponed entirely for the same reason. And, you know, here's another one. Uh, Kyrie Irving uh, is missing in action. Oh, Although yes. they do know where he is. Uh, oh, they yes. don't tell anybody. But oh, he's yes. been gone for three games. And uh, they're not sure when he's going to come back. He's not telling anybody anything other than apparently the owner knows where he is. And they blessed him and said, when you're ready, you come back and your job will be here. So, And um,
0: ostensibly... Crazy.
2: One more thing I got for you. The world is saved. The world now is saved. Katie Sowers is not returning to the NFL. Would you repeat that,
0: please? Katie Sowers. Oh, not...
2: oh, that's right. That's the woman assistant right.
0: coach whose contract was up. I'm sitting thinking, right. I thought you said J.D. Sowers. What is he, a hot um, wide receiver or Katie something? For years? Well, she's
1: just yeah. not returning to the 49ers. She's, yeah, I, I, I guarantee what she's going to be looking for another gig in the NFL.
0: Yeah, but Jeez. but Denny, I'm disappointed in you. You gave Kyrie Irving such short shift. He's fine physically. Apparently, he was upset by the attack on the U.S. Capitol last Sunday. Oh, weren't we all?
2: Weren't we all?
0: Yes, we all and, were. And, and so what you do is, as a professional, you do what you're supposed to do anyway. As you said, the Nets were aware of why he wasn't playing. Personal days is what they said. Personal days, that team should have suspended that idiot, and that's what Kyrie Irving is. He's an idiot, suspended him immediately. And what did Stevie say? Stevie Ness said, I don't know what's going on. Quote Kyrie Irving won't pick up my phone calls. And then after he missed the loss, and of course they lost without him, though KD did come back, they lost to Okie City on Sunday. Stevie was heard to remark all the communication with Kyrie Irving is between the organization and and I'm right. going to keep it private. I'm sure you'll all want to hear from him yes. at some point. You know what? I don't want to hear from
2: him. I don't care. Well, I, I don't, you I don't know, uh, people who live around him would probably want to know. God forbid he's got the uh, infection. He's you. We see what's going on. What this is not a COVID thing. On? Why do you think there's something we, going on?
0: We know what's going on. He said he was, so. the organization said he was upset as he took a day off. You know, there were all these protests last Wednesday. He right. was so upset about what happened in Washington that he took a day off, and now it's three games off? Now it's
2: three games off? Are well, you kidding me? You know what? It's uh, What these poor guys have gone through, Bob, forever uh, is incredible, absolutely incredible. I always wonder, where, where would we be if we had to do all the things in their life? We'd,
0: we'd be fine.
2: What? I, I we, would hope we so. We do just what I they do. I certainly hope so. What do you we, mean? You
0: think, that you think they're making enough money to put up with all this stuff? Oh, Bob, I, I,
2: I'm not arguing the money. The money is there. No question about it. the money is going to be there. It will always be there. But it, what I'm saying is, um, if we had to change places, we would find out what it's all about. What? I mean, we can talk about all we all we want. We I don't can understand talk about,
1: what you're what you're. T- what are you saying? Change places with Kyrie Irving?
2: We, with black players in general.
1: But what does black players have to do with the U.S. Capitol being stormed?
2: We we went. Well, to that's what the protests were about. They were protesting the, the fact that. That's the reason why he's sitting out. That's the reason. He's Brandon, we sitting know this. Out. We they, they, they,
0: Everybody was saying. And of course, it's true that had this been a black mob that was assaulting the United States right. Congress and oh, the Capitol. I'm sorry. I, I wasn't looking at this as, as a shooting racial machine issue. Machine guns at him. But, I mean, there. I think there is a racist aspect to this. And, oh, and people sure. were upset about it. People were upset about it. And Kyrie Irving was upset about it. So, fine, good for him. But this it's not professional. Well, but the Nets have you,
1: lost don't... the last two games, and they are currently in 10th place in the East. Nah. So, he better get back and get that team yeah. back on track.
0: Duh! And, and don't you wonder, you're looking at one of the greatest players who ever lived in Stevie Nash. Don't you think to yourself, why did he do this? What did he need this grief for? Are you kidding me? And here he is
2: putting up with this kind of stuff. Well, they're getting, Bobby, as you know, they're getting the benefit of everything right now. They're getting the benefit of if they got a headache, and and I don't say this facetiously, but if they got something that's bothering them, They certainly have the owner's permission to take a day off, two days off, whatever it might be. I don't agree with it. I think, listen, if you've signed the contract and you're taking that check on the 1st and the 15th or they're bank wiring it to you, listen, you got to show up. I'll give you a game. I'll give you one game but I'm not going to give you a week or two weeks or three weeks because it will be taken advantage of by everybody else eventually. Absolutely. And I I don't want to keep coming back to the days of yesteryear,
0: but they shot your arm up with cortisone so many times. That drug's never left your body. And you went out there with a right arm many times. It was barely hanging onto your body and you were a professional and you did your bleeping job the way you're supposed to.
2: Well, then there was a big difference because if we didn't go out, they'd release us or send us to Guam right. or, or, you know, Keokuk yeah. or some place that you don't want to really go when you're 24 years old.
0: Right, And then we come to the case of James Harden in the NBA, the $39 yeah. million dollar a year Malcolm Tunt, who's so unhappy he's been demanding all. to be traded. Okay, so coming off an ankle sprain in a loss to Indiana last week, a game in which Harden scored only 15 points, On three of 14 shooting for $39 million a year, longtime Houston broadcaster, the great, and for those of you young people like Brandon who never saw him, you missed something, the great Calvin Murphy. We should have learned a long time ago to always assume a mic is on and is open when you are in front of one. Calvin thought he was not on mic. When he said of James Harden's performance in that game, and I quote, he quit. Some reports said that landed Calvin in hot water, fire him, one of the great figures in the history of the franchise in an NBA Hall of Famer for telling the truth, apparently, telling about James truth. Harden? I don't think so. College how, basketball. How, how
2: tall was he? How old was he? Calvin, 5'9". I mean, how nine, tall five, eight. was he? How tall Calvin, 5'8", 5'9". Five,
0: five, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Unbelievable. One of the greatest free throw shooters who ever lived in pound for pound physical, physically in a fight one of the toughest guys you ever. So I had on my TV show in Detroit a long time ago, and he's a huge boxing expert as well. And boy, yeah. what a, a what! A, and a hello, and a nice guy too, Calvin yeah. Murphy, yeah. really yeah. good yeah. guy. So, um, college basketball, uh, we got coming up on Tuesday night, tomorrow night, if you will, as we record this on Monday. What a great game! Michigan's got to be the best team going right now yes, in the Big sir. Ten. They're going to play Wisconsin, and we're going to talk more about that as we continue right here. Log on our website to hear the rest of the show. You've been listening for you radio people down in Toledo to the No Filter Sports Podcast. How about this for a new term? Michigan had its Saturday game against Penn State. Coveted out, if you will, and man, what a game this is going to be against Wisconsin on Tuesday night. Everybody's saying Michigan's the best team in the Big Ten outside of Madison because they think Wisconsin's the best team in the Big Ten. Meanwhile, what an awful loss that was for Michigan State Friday night. Haven't had a chance to talk yeah. about this to Purdue in East Lansing. I mean, you know, they—if you watch that game—they held the Boilermakers. That's a good club. They held them to 16 points in the first half. 16, and then laid an egg in the second half, stayed at one point, went 11 minutes without a field goal. Still, they're up by four with just 19 seconds to go, and they let Purdue steal the game. Up by one with 6.4 seconds left. They somehow lost Purdue's top player, Trevion Williams. They let him get loose on an inbounds play. He escaped a wound, had an easy teardrop to give the Boilers what turned out to be a 55-54 victory as Aaron Henry's last second shot was off. Yes, out of Detroit, Michigan. Another one got away from both Tom and the University of Michigan. It was just tremendous.
2: And it's such an unlike Tom Izzo team. That's so unlike. They, when they're ahead with a minute to go or less, they win the ball games. They put them away. I don't know what happened to this game, but somebody slipped well, by Tom. You're right. Somebody well, slipped. Well, they
0: did. And and I'm thinking to myself, Tom and I have been kind of thinking alike here with go back to the Northwestern game and how disappointing that was in terms of a lack of effort. Yeah. I'm thinking to myself watching this disaster, that's one of the most disappointing Michigan State games that I've ever seen under Tom. And that's exactly what he said afterwards. One of the most disappointing losses of his career. And if he thinks that was disappointing, mm. wait till he gets a close up and personal look. At Luca Garza, the greatest player in American college basketball, because that's Michigan State's next opponent. They're going to take on Iowa. I've seen Iowa play maybe three quarters of their games this season. This is an outstanding team. You know, look, you don't know what's going to happen in sports, but on paper, this could get really ugly. This actually could get. I don't ugly. know. Who
1: would have thought, you know, 10 to 12 games into this season, that MSU would be number 11 in the yeah, Big Ten? You're right. And U of M. Would be number one. Uh, I I'm so excited to see Michigan basketball this year. I just I just I just feel like they're special. There's something going on. Juwan Howard is off to such a great start with this program, and I really think that he has, uh, you know, he he really has the potential to cement himself as one of the greatest. uh, You know, coaches and basketball history for for Michigan just because.
0: You like their recruiting class coming in next year? The recruiting class. Number one ranked
1: in the country. The recruiting classes are great, but he also, you know, there's the Fab Five. Everything has seemed to come together here. Juwan Howard has always been considered a great player. You know, he obviously won championships in uh, the NBA. He made it to championships in college. I just think this is a perfect fit, and, and he's off to a hot start.
0: Well, you're right, Brandon. I'm, I'm with you 100%. And Denny McLean and I go back to Chicago Carver High School zone Cassie Russell. I idolize Cassie and Bill Bunton yeah, and Larry Tregonning and Oliver Darden, George Pommy, Billy Cantrell, and those great Michigan teams of the mid 60s and all of the great runs they've had. I was in Philadelphia covering the 1976 national championship game when they played and lost to Indiana in the NCAA finals. You know, with that group, Ricky Green and Grody and Phil Hubbard and those guys, tremendous tradition at the University. University of Michigan and it's really being proudly carried on right now how he got Hunter Dickinson out of Washington DC yeah. when, when, when Georgetown wanted him and Maryland wanted him I mean it's, it's just a tremendous thing that Michigan has going
2: and let's not forget uh, about uh, two or three months ago Mr. McLean stated that he thought the University of Michigan was a better team than MSU I think yes we you remember did remember we that. that the last and show and I, I and, it, and,
0: and well and, uh, can you blame me for sticking my foot in my mouth at the time when I said that Michigan State was better than Michigan. They beat you got you know well, well, to you, you buy smaller shoes. Yeah, I guess so. And I do have large feet. <laughs> so anyway, uh, naturally, this happens a lot to us. It's just one of those things. And I know some of you were disappointed that we didn't address this when you tuned in over the weekend to hear what Denny McLean had to say about it. But not two hours after we had finished recording Thursday's oh, show. Tommy. The news came down that the Indians had traded Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco to the Mets for a pass of prospect and Mets shortstop Ahmed Rosario. And my initial reaction to that was, thank goodness the Tigers don't have to see these guys anymore. It was a salary dump because Lindor was not going to re-sign with Cleveland. He right. wanted to go to a bigger market. What did you boys think?
2: Well, listen, he's a great player. He's As long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a great player. He's going to be around for a long time. He's got great hands. I mean, the kid has really got great hands. And uh, we'll just see what happens. Like, like you said a little while ago, anything happens in the world of sports, and you never know. It could be the next pitch. could be the next walk. could be the next stealing second base and breaking your ankle. All of those things happen in one of these four sports a lot.
1: This is
0: great. And from a fantasy standpoint, go ahead. I know you follow. These are the ups and downs of these guys pretty closely.
1: Are you kidding me? You got Jacob DeGrom as your ace. You already just added James McCann behind the plate.
0: Noah Syndergaard's back. I think he's going to be healthy this year.
1: Well, we always think that Noah Syndergaard is yeah, going to be healthy, I'm, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. but you also had you know Jeff McNeil, <laughs> J.D. Davis, Pete Alonzo is a superstar, and now you've yeah, just but added. He was
0: disappointing last year. No, Alonso yeah, no. was. He had well, had he wasn't that disappointing.
1: He's a fantastic player, and and now you're adding. <laughs> oh, I mean, sorry, you're not going to have Robinson Cano play this year because he can't stay off the stuff, but. Francisco Lindor. I mean this is this is a huge move. This is a blockbuster. <laughs> I I and then know. Carrasco, he's nothing to, you know, pass by either. He's a great pitcher. And yeah. you know what? They I still see this team maybe going after even more free agents you know i mean even going after trevor bauer or something
0: and the the reason for this is steve cohen uh the multi-billionaire who purchased the mets recently after they got through all of that stuff at 16 billion dollars he's now they say the wealthiest owner in major league baseball and he's got new york and he's got the tradition of the mets good for me because i live in new york city half the year and i watch a lot of mets games this is going to be a fun team to watch do you think they're going to win it all is it too early to help?
2: Nah, too early. To
0: tell. Way too
1: early, but I got to tell you, the two teams that I'm most interested in watching right now are the New York Mets and the San Diego Padres. I loved the Padres last year, and if yeah. you look at what they've done, I mean, grabbing Blake Snell, I mean, that team is going to be fantastic, too. So, uh I don't know. The national league's looking pretty damn good. Well, the national league is, is always been kind of the gray
2: area, but I will tell you this living on the West coast and having to travel that West coast trip all the time, all six months of the season is a bear. And I know I played out out with Oakland for a couple of months and I'm telling you, you were exhausted because every trip was a week or two. Because they were trying to save some expenses. But man, I'll tell you it it wears you out after a short period of time. It doesn't take much. And here we go. Just what major
0: league baseball needs. Still another scandal. So a text message from
2: Garrett. Yeah, hang on one second, Bob. Who was what 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 are you referring to with Cano? He's he's on drugs or something?
0: I didn't say anything about
2: Robinson Cano. Who who was the player you were talking about?
1: I mentioned Robinson Cano because Robinson yeah. Cano is suspended. Yeah, he. Oh okay. well, yeah, he's
2: been
0: using steroids, and he doesn't run run out ground balls yeah. to first base yeah. either. Yeah,
1: about a month ago he he's got. He's thirty
0: eight years old or thirty nine, whatever. Yeah, about he is.
1: a month ago, Denny, he got popped with uh, you know, with, the with stuff again. Yeah. yeah, with more steroids, yeah. and so yeah. he's out for the year and probably out for the rest of his career. Yeah, he's probably yeah. done.
0: So, as I was saying, we got another scandal here. Uh, a text message from Garrett Cole has been submitted as evidence. Yes. And oh, yeah. Brian Harkins. Well, let me tell the story first because yeah, I know you're chomping at the bit on this one, Danny. Not really. Not really. I feel okay, bad fine. about this. All right, fine. Well, anyway, this text message from Cole has been submitted as evidence. And Brian Harkins quest to prove he was unfairly made a scapegoat when the angels fired him as a clubhouse attendant he had been supplying ball doctoring substances to pitchers canned last march he'd been with them almost 40 years after the organization was informed by mlb that he was giving pitchers an illegal blend of rosin and pine tar violation of a rule but one that's never apparently been strictly enforced in baseball so the original complaint outlined the reasons why applying this substance to baseballs by pitchers has been a long-held, accepted practice done largely for safety reasons and insinuated that Harkins was fired without proper warnings. And now they're naming the names. Justin Verlander is one of them. So they say long-held practice. Denny, this is your platform, pal. We know what Gaylord Perry was putting on the baseball in your in your day. What do you think about this? Did you, Mickey Lolich, and others put gunk on the ball too?
2: No, I'll tell you, the worst thing that we ever did is when they changed the rule that you could not go to your mouth once you stepped on the mound, Mm -hmm. once you stepped on the rubber. And right, a ball, kind
0: of, a ball back then was called automatically by the umpire if you saw you do that. Yeah,
2: and it, it and it was really disconcerting when it first started because the umpires didn't understand it either. So it took them a couple of months to catch up with it because we were just blowing in our hand, blowing in our hand, blowing in our hand. And after two months, somebody said, "You guys aren't allowed to blow in your hand." I said, "My God, we I, it was." Um, The little guy, what's his name? The umpire, the Nestor um, Shylock. Master Nestor Shylock says, "You guys can't do." I nailed that one, folks. Aren't you a good one? Good one. He said, "He said, you guys can't do that. That's against the rules." I said, Nestor, we've been doing it for two months. We got to be able to continue to do it." I said, "Aren't we grandfathered in?" He's all go pitcher. Like Burley Grimes in the original spitball pitchers in the first part of the twentieth century. Nestor says. Go kiss your grandfather's ass, see if he can help you. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so, so, but what about uh, uh, the idea of this? Does
0: this really help these guys a lot? Yes, guys like Verlander and Cole, yes. And but it's been yes. a long accepted practice, right? Did you know about this? And what do you think? Yeah, about we
2: all it? knew. I, I was, I was kind of you the, knew they were doing this, right? Yeah, well, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have to do it. I didn't like, uh, anything. In fact, I never even picked up a rosin bag. I picked up a rosin bag once in 10 or 11 years in the major leagues. Huh. One time. That's all. Never. T- uh-huh. I never let anything touch my hands. Don't ask me why it was just something I, I was did from the first day I stepped on the mound. Um, and, uh, I never, ever, ever tried it. I just never did. A lot and of guys I think it was, some um... and they used all kinds of stuff. They didn't only use, listen. The guy who had the best slippery elm. Uh, Yeah. But the guy who had the best one, because they're all trying to do something funny with the ball to begin with. So what's his name? Um, the black pitcher relief pitcher with the tigers in the sixties, um, God, I can't think
0: of his name. Well, John Wyatt, would that be one? John Wyatt. God, God, I got it prize? Do I get a prize
2: for this today? Bob, what (laughs) door? Door number one, door number two, door (laughs) number three. So anyway, John Wyatt goes up to, he's got a hit. Circumstances wound up where he had a hit. We didn't have another guy to hit and it's the eighth inning and he's going to get a chance to hit the ball. He's never been up before in the last 10 years. So he uh, goes into the batter's box and all of a sudden you see, um, Emmett Ashford call time and he walks up to, um, Wyatt, Wyatt and says to Wyatt, he says, are you okay? He's what do you mean? Am I okay? He says, you smell sick. He says, are you sure you're Okay. He says, "Yeah, I've got. I've just got a medical issue right now." He said, "What is it?" He says, "Oh, I can't tell you, uh, Emmett. I I can't. I'd be embarrassed to talk to you." He said, "What do you have on your body?" He said, "Why do I have to have something on my body?" He says, "I can smell it, and I'm afraid if we light a match, <laughs> we'll all blow up." <laughs> Guess what he had? Preparation H. No way. He had Preparation H everywhere.
0: And so that makes that makes a ball act like a spitball. It makes it just drop oh, off yeah. the table. It does
2: all kinds of bad yeah. things. And uh, when Emmett uh, finally got him, and he said, um, uh, "As far as the spitball went, he said, John, 'John, you'll never throw a spitter because you're afraid to kiss the ball.' I don't know <laughs> what the hell he meant by it, but I've been trying to figure it out <laughs> for forty-five years. Okay, well, we well, do the analytics, thing.
1: though. If you look at the analytics, uh, you know everybody's spin rate. Seems to go up certain times. I mean, massively, and so that's what that's what. That's a good point. This, yeah, about this current scandal, yeah, yeah. That's that's what this substance has been doing. You know, when right. especially when you you look at all the guys that went to Houston, and all of a sudden, oh my God, Verlander's pitching better than he ever has, and uh, his spin rates up. Garrett Cole goes to the Astros, and oh my God, his his spin rates higher than it ever has been, and, and they, they attribute yeah. that to to this substance. Uh,
0: we've been doing this show a couple of years now. And I know on one of the past, past, past shows, Denny talked about his brief experience with a spitball. So he knows what he's talking about. Denny, uh, another, another platform for you right here. Uh, and unfortunately, we have to mention the death of one of the, the greatest, most legendary baseball ambassadors yeah. ever, not to mention managers. How yeah. well did you know Tommy Lasorda and your thoughts on his Everybody passing?
2: knew Tommy. Everybody knew Tommy. Tommy. And when you were winning, uh, Tommy would make it a, a, commandment to come over and talk to you. He wanted to see how you threw your slider. He wanted to see how you threw your funny pitches. Tommy was an investigative reporter. And whenever he learned anything, he'd go and tell the whole other ball club. And and rightfully so. But, you know, that's not the reason we were talking to him. We were talking to him because he was a friend. And Tommy was the most gregarious, warm, uh, on-your-side man I've ever met in your life in your life. He just could not help enough people. And that's what he wanted to do. All he wanted to do once he got out of the game of managing, he he worked in, I'll bet he worked in 25 different charities. The guy never said no.
0: He, um, uh, is a man I only met once in my life. I sat down in a hotel room in New York City years ago and did a lengthy interview, a one-on-one TV interview with him because he was out you know, promoting his weight loss things. But for those of us in radio, LaSorda we'll of meant something else. His snaps when he freaked out in his manager's office at a stupid question a reporter would ask, dropping f bombs every fourth yeah, word. Right. There's so look. I wanted to use these on the show. I was going to ask Brandon to prepare one. We can't because as no. I say, there's just too many f bombs. So you go to YouTube.com and you just Google. You just type in Tommy Lasorda snaps or Tommy Lasorda. You know, with reporters, you're yeah. going to hear this stuff, and it is just absolutely hysterical. But a great man, and I'm
2: I'm not sure he had many enemies in the world. You and, know, and I, he did, and he didn't do. It in a serious manner when he started throwing all these F-bombs around, he just gets tired of, of hearing the same thing all the time.
0: Yeah, I think that's true.
2: Denny, this is very exciting news for me and for Brandon and
0: Uh-oh. for a lot of people listening right now. The NHL is back. Oh wings right. up, the wings open the 2021 season Thursday night at Little Caesars against Carolina. Better thanks for Detroit ahead. I think so. I think so. Um, the question is: can Jonathan Bernier hold up? He was better than he's been historically in his career in goal last year. Now we have a new backup, Thomas Grice. He's pretty good net that He's a veteran as well. Bobby Ryan was a terrific player in the NHL. He's dealing with an injury now. He's 33. How much does he have left in the tank? I'm interested to see that. Robbie Fabry was terrific after CVY picked him up last year. He's centering a really good second line now with Philip Zedina and Vladislav Nemesnikov, who starred for what it's worth, which is not much, in Sunday's final scrimmage. So that's cool. The season starts Wednesday night with national TV. Too much football, too much going on, hockey, the NBA. Denny, I almost forgot. It was the opening week of the PGA Tour last week. Don't you yes. love watching those Hawaiian stops from those beautiful courses they got out there? I and I used to I think was. somewhere it's sunny and it's beautiful when I was having to live up north in Detroit and New York. And I always really enjoyed that. So the big story there seemed to be Justin Thomas calling himself, quote, a faggot Saturday during yeah. the third round of the Century Tournament. Did you see that? He's on the fourth hole. He missed just a little putt for par. He was pissed. He's caught on Golf Channel's microphone calling himself that. So, of course, he had to apologize to everybody. He, He should have. But to quote Bryant Gumbel's words on every episode of HBO's Real Sports, now let's move on. Let's move on to the mailbag. Get that out of the way. We hear from you. We always enjoy this. And you can tweet Denny. I'm not sure he'll respond. At M-U-2 Denny. Denny always responds.
2: You don't. I follow you on Twitter. I never see you respond. I'm on all kinds of Twitters. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, then the fans will definitely be hearing from you. If they tweet you, Denny, I don't yes, believe sir, you for one will. second, but, but you'll hear from me at Bob page sports and about the guest on our last show, former university of Michigan football, great Billy Taylor, longtime show listener, Ed Klee said, what a great interview and a great story. It was nice to see Billy Taylor overcome his addiction. Terry Paxus, great show with former Alabama player and Detroit Lions center, Steve Mott. Thanks for asking the question about his neck injury regarding his career. And i I love the in-depth questions you guys were asking about Alabama, about Marty Clark, and about Daryl Rogers. Man who goes by Motown Review says he's an east side Detroiter who just retired to the Philippines. He's living an ocean front in the Philippines, pennies on the dollar lifestyle. He says he jumped into Eli's tearful goodbye on the show. I and mean, yes, people are still talking about that and will be for a while. He says he could feel the love that Denny and I had for Eli on that podcast. Good job, Bob and Denny. And you no, know, we have nothing further to report. I haven't talked to Eli. Have you, Denny?
2: Yes, he's okay. He's fine. He's- well,
0: I presume he's probably happy playing golf and coming down happy here to Florida. resting,
2: sleeping, and playing golf. Uh,
0: hey, Denny, do you know what 420 means? Four twenty. Uh, I didn't think you would. Brandon ninth, certainly knows. Uh, what's
2: his name? Hit that drive? No, it's a co- it's a it's a code word for marijuana.
0: Believe me, Eli oh, Zara knows know. what four twenty means. Well, so
2: let <laughs> me tell you, the, the big golfer, the, the the big kid. I can't think of his name, uh, but he hit a golf John ball. John Daly, right? John Daly. No, no not John Daly. The, okay. the, the kid who's winning all the tournaments. Bryson right now. DeChambeau. Yes. He, guess what he did? He hit a golf ball the other day. Listen, four hundred and forty yards. On the green. Well, that's got nothing to do with it. We're talking about a guy in this case today. Yes, you (laughs) do. I mean, when
0: you talk (laughs) golf, I'm talking (laughs) marijuana, damn it.
2: Okay, go ahead.
0: Jay Smoke 420. That's what he goes by. He's got a little marijuana leaf on Twitter next to his name. And he says, slit, quote, unquote, in the locker room. Ha, ha, ha. Your show has been great, boys. Keep it up and give my best to Eli. Just so Jay and everybody else knows. I hate that derogatory word for a woman. It's akin to using the c-word, and I don't think I have ever met what a woman did he who use? doesn't you, despise you that don't need to word. Say it again. I,
1: you guys have used it like five times in the last two shows.
0: I merely quoted what Kirk Gibson had said about my Channel Seven audio woman in the Tigers' locker room way Ex- back when.
2: Excuse me. What? What did? They, what did you? You say? don't remember what I said? I didn't a, hear I, it.
0: I had a woman audio person at Channel Seven who was assigned to the locker room. She had to go in to do her job. I had to bring her in. She walks into the locker room, and Gibby stands up in front of his locker and says, okay, you guys, everybody cover up. There's a slit I don't in the know, locker room. I don't know why oh, you
1: got to keep repeating this story. This is the fourth time you told it in the last, like, three days, and uh, we don't need to keep it's, going. That's uh, your tattling. The time you're, I've you're,
0: told you're, it in the last three days, we did one show, and that's the only time I've mentioned it, and that was recently. Obviously, you're taking numbers in this term, Brandon, Well, I just think, I don't think blame that, I, I you. Just, But there's a reason why that Kirk Gibson's nickname – at Michigan State was Kirk the Jerk. I would presume he is then. I like and Kirk. That's Gibson. why I bring this up.
1: You guys are taught. You guys talk a lot of crap about Kirk Gibson.
0: Yes, yes, we do. Absolutely, and for good reason. Because no. we go back a long time, even before you were born, with Gibby Brandon. He may be your hero. Tough. Ron Grubbs, a long time listener to the show, says now, on the last show he did, Eli sounded like the tank was empty, and he just didn't have the energy or desire to go on. And that includes a lot of off-air work for him as well. He says there's nothing wrong with taking time to recharge or even just retired. Eli Zarrett has earned that right. As have you and Danny, if that time comes but we don't, plan to go anywhere right now rob from canton michigan i really appreciate the email you wrote me he wanted to say he really enjoyed listening to this podcast twice a week since he discovered it in march of 2019 he says a banter among the three of you and your combined depth of sports knowledge and experience is just so informative and entertaining bill newick of dearborn heights longtime listener says hi danny and bob do you remember van patrick and bob reynolds oh, broadcasting God, yes. the lions games on radio then he says, get a kick. You'll get a kick out of this. Did you ever have any meetings with them over the years? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Bob Reynolds brought me to Detroit. He hired yeah. me to go to WJR.
2: Whenever those and, guys traveled, they always tried to get in our poker game upstairs with Northrop. And I, right? I still think Northrop was cheating with one of them.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I'll say this, though. Uh, I met Fan Patrick, who was a hero of mine, broadcasting hero, growing up in Detroit. I met him one time in my life. My mm-hmm. first year in the business, 1974. Van was dying of stomach cancer. Yeah. I got a press pass to the Lions game. I was so thrilled. Long after it was over, I waited upstairs in the press box for him to come out just so I could meet him. I was alone. He came out by himself. I introduced myself, told him how much I thought of him. I said, how are you feeling, Van? He looks at me, and says, Bob, all I can say is this is a hell of a way to go. It's a hell of a way to go. So you can get to touch with us with uh, website submissions or contacting us at nofiltersportspodcast.com. You can also call us anytime you want at 760-89-BALLS. I didn't have a chance to get to all your stuff today as usual because there's just so much of it to do. So we'll try to get to the rest of those emails coming up uh, on our next program, which, as you regular listeners know, is this Thursday. In the meantime, we want you guys to have a great week out there, and thanks so much for joining us on the show.
2: Goodbye, everybody.